we begin this podcast quest for truth in a state mental facility. Now, what could be more fitting than that? I dare to psychoanalyze our Creator, and then I boldly name the very essence of God's identity. We give some quick advice about the most troubled word, probably, in the English language, and we discuss what could be the most intentionally offensive Christian church in the U.S., all on the way to answering the question, Is God Codependent? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. When I was just out of college, I had a career plan all mapped out. I had dreams of getting my Ph.D. in clinical psychology and opening a private practice. I had, though, I will admit, watched several people I know go from college to graduate school immediately, get a degree, and enter a career only to find themselves pot-committed. Now, pot-committed is a poker term in which you've committed so much of your money to a hand that you no longer have the option of really walking away from it. So you're going to have to see it through. And as I said, I had friends who had gone to graduate school. I'll use the example of law school. They'd gone to law school, become lawyers, and now for financial reasons, they were committed to pursuing a career in law, even though once they'd started practicing as a lawyer, they really didn't have the passion for it that they'd expected they would. So in a desire on my part not to go into something that I would later discover, I just didn't have a lot of passion for, I took a job in my future field at the State Mental Health Hospital in Knoxville. It was my effort in trying out the field of psychology, and I was hired as a teacher counselor with Adolescent Girls Inpatient Treatment Group. While I was working there, it was decided that enough of the girls in our group were dealing with an addiction and substance abuse-related issues, we would start an addiction therapy group. It would be led by one of the social workers who was part of our treatment team and me. Let me just say up front, I was, I was way in over my head. Now, fortunately, I wasn't disruptive or destructive to the group process, well, as far as I know. But I surely wasn't adding to it. I just didn't know anything about the world of addiction back then. And one of the terms I learned during that time, but didn't fully understand at the moment, was codependent. A quick definition of the word codependent, which I pulled off the web but edited a bit, is a relationship in which one person is physically or psychologically addicted, so as to alcohol or narcotics, and the other person is psychologically dependent on the first person in an unhealthy way. Now, I should add that the term has moved beyond being purely associated with addiction. You can have a person who is simply psychologically unhealthy, say demanding, abusive, or narcissistic, and the second person develops an unhealthy or codependent relationship with them. Think of the child of an alcoholic who's constantly running around trying to make their parent happy, often in an effort to rescue them from their drinking. The child's taken on the responsibility for things that they aren't and shouldn't be responsible for, nor do they have any real hope of ever controlling those things. So our question for today, 
is probably wrongly phrased. No, in answer to the question, God is not codependent. Someone who's codependent by definition is in a relationship with someone who has some sort of unhealthy behavior going on, and God's only in a relationship with, oh, with us. Okay, maybe maybe there's some unhealthy stuff going on on our end occasionally. And there are those of us who are unhealthy enough in our behavior to certainly qualify. But I think God manages to stay healthy and balanced. I haven't noticed that the unhealthier we are, the more God runs around trying to compensate for our behavior or trying to make sure that we are happy. So maybe I ask the question the wrong way. The better question is, are we the codependent ones in our relationship with God? But even when we rephrase the question, we immediately run into trouble, don't we? If we're the codependent ones in our relationship with God, doesn't that mean that God has some sort of disorder or dysfunction and we're running around trying to make it right for our dysfunctional creator? Well, yes, it does. And no, it doesn't. So let me explain. First, let me say I've examined God and I can give God a clean psychological bill of health. Now, obviously, I can't really do that. But I think we can say that God is by definition psychologically healthy and balanced. Now, how can I say that? Because, well, as scripture tells us, God is the alpha and the omega, meaning God is the beginning and the end. The truth is God is the beginning, the end, and everything in between. In other words, there is nothing apart from God. So by definition, God is normal and healthy because, well, God literally created all the norms. So how can we have a codependent relationship with one who is the absolute definition of health, balance, generosity, and love. I am so glad you asked that question. Allow me to attempt to frame this with an example from my own life. Our daughter Kate is away at graduate school, and she and I communicate often, a couple of times a day, and most often it's by text. And one of the things I've discovered in our relationship is that when she asks me a question via text and I respond with only one word, she's sometimes sent into a spiral of wondering exactly what that one word means. So if she tells me that she's decided that it might be a good idea for her to change her place of living next year, it's not going to go well for her if I respond with a single word answer like, good, okay, or fine. And as a Quick sidebar, if you hear or say the word fine all by itself in a relationship that is important to you, let me just tell you, you're in trouble. If you do not know what the word fine means, you're in even more trouble. You should probably seek out some counseling. No, really, I mean, you should probably, you can just stop this and go do that right now. The problem is not that when I text with my daughter that I intend any sub-meaning when I give her a short answer. It normally means something like, I'm in the grocery store line and I have just enough time for a one-word answer to her text before the person in front of me is done. But one word doesn't give much of an answer or context, so it allows a whole lot of room for uncertainty And in that uncertainty, it becomes easier for the receiver of the text to use that single word as a place to hang their own uncertainty and insecurities. 
So in my relationship with my daughter, there's an inherent power disparity just because I'm the parent, she's the child. All of her life growing up, her mother and I were the ones with the power, the authority, and the knowledge that she didn't possess because, well, we were the parent, she was the child. Now, she has some important stuff she wants to communicate. And in that moment, she isn't getting much feedback because of the means of communication. So she naturally places some of her internal state on what little information she has. So my point here is that if this is true of a relationship with my daughter in which we actually talk to each other frequently, in addition to our texts, how much more exaggerated is this same phenomenon going to be in our relationships with God? Quite a few years ago, I was at the National Convention for the Episcopal Church that happens every three years. And I walked outside the center where we were holding our convention, and there were I'm going to say 10, 12, 15 people standing there with signs, offensive signs. They were members of the Westboro Baptist Church, which now has become rather well-known, but at the time I'd never heard of them or seen them before. Now, let me say, before I describe them or tell you about them, though they have the word Baptist in their name, they are not affiliated with any other group that uses that name. They are totally their own thing. This group, they are famous for showing up at church events, like our convention, at military funerals. They even picketed a local public school here in Atlanta. Their signs say horrible things like, God hates gays. Actually, it uses a more offensive word that I'm not even going to repeat. They have signs that say, when a plane crashes, God laughs. Another sign, God loves IEDs. Those are the hidden roadside bombs that kill and maim soldiers. They have signs that say, thank God for 9-11. They have a sign that says, God is America's terrorist. Okay, I'm, I'm done with all their signs. So how do we reconcile the wide range of people calling themselves Christians that happens to include the likes of the members of Westboro Baptist Church? Well, I think we can acknowledge that some of us have taken our own anxieties, insecurities, fears, and prejudices, and we've placed them on God. Now, we have created, in our own imagination, an angry, judgmental, and hostile, and dare I say it, abusive and unpredictable God. And we, therefore, develop a codependent relationship with this God who is really of our making. So how do we determine the true nature of God? Well, that's another really good question. You see, there are a wide range of stories in Scripture, some of which are even disturbing. But part of what we must do, I think, is acknowledge how ancient some of those stories are and how many of them were more of a reflection of the time in which they were initially told than they are an accurate reflection of God's truest nature. So if you're a Christian, then I think we turn to Jesus, who we as Christians believe to be our truest insight into God's real nature. Are you in a codependent relationship, one of your own making, or perhaps the making of the church you were raised in? Well, the surest way to tell is to look to Jesus. First, God took the form of Jesus to dissolve the misunderstandings that cause us to attribute our own bias, prejudices, fears to our Creator. 
At the most fundamental level, Jesus was the ultimate effort by God to communicate. What is it that God wanted to and still wants to communicate through Jesus? If you had to sum it up in one word, it would be love. Oh, there's that word again. Yeah, there is, but it's so accurate. Why did Jesus come? Because as the Gospel of John tells us, Jesus came because God so loved the world that he gave us his son. That love includes knowing who we are. That love includes forgiveness. That love includes an offering of eternal life. And God's love includes a desire for us in response to the love to grow in love ourselves, love with God and love with our neighbor. Do you want to know if you're on the right track? Just remember the truth that Jesus came to proclaim God's love, as I just described. There's not a single place in Scripture where Jesus espouses hate. Never, not once, does Jesus say we should consider fewer people as our neighbors. And every single time, Jesus comes down on the side of being more generous never less. Does your notion of God fit that, or is it tinged by some other cultural belief or personal bias that you have unwittingly imposed upon God? I have to say, this is not a process of self-reflection that's intended just for the Westboro Baptist Church members. It's useful for everyone who professes to follow the way of Jesus. It's a process of self-reflection that everyone should do, I think, at least annually. And that is the purpose of Lent. Lent is our time to reacquaint ourselves with the true nature of God. The funny thing about this is that Lent is often seen as a somber time, devoid of celebration and joy. But for the vast majority of us, if we recalibrate, and focus on God's true nature during this time, we will discover we are jettisoning some pretty unhealthy and even unpleasant aspects of God that were really our own creation. And in their place, we can allow ourselves to embrace God's true nature, which is, always has been, and always will be focused on love. And that is a truly joyful thing. That's all for today. As I'm continuing the podcast for Lent, I'm also offering weekly Lenten videos you can find on my YouTube video channel. It is also named Sky Pilot Faith Quest. These are different material from the podcast, so I invite you to check them out. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for, once again, Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is, I have a new email address, dan at Sky Pilot Zone. This one doesn't require any weird spelling and adding multiple T's to the word. So this is Dan at Sky Pilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone, Z-O-N-E, Dan at Skypilot dot zone. As always, I'd love to hear from you. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, 
the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.